as I mentioned before, it is a joy to have Scott Jones here from the WFPC, and uh, he is, how, how many years did you pastor? About 30. 30 years, and so he is uh, just very much interested in the health and the growth of, of Baptist churches here in the state of Wisconsin, and now he's been the, the, the lead director there of WFPC for the last year and a half, and uh, going on two years here, and it's a joy to have him here this morning, so brother, why don't you come? Could have uh, perhaps said more about what we show on that when we get a slide of Shano Baptist Church there in our in our presentation that it is a, a testimony of what uh, churches are for not just to be started and and run forever and running forever is great but to, but to be instrumental in in planting other churches and uh, so your church has been a great example to to all of us and uh, it's nice to be able to. To use that because that's uh, you know we have a video I didn't I didn't show it it's getting kind of old now and you're in your other building but there's quite a bit uh, of of you folks in the early days of this this church in that uh, in that video so a lot of folks are familiar with oh yeah Shano there's a church plant there and then to hear that another church is being planted by you I think it makes some of those people who uh, uh, haven't been thinking about planting a church for a long time realize that. Maybe, you know, maybe we ought to be looking at uh, uh, needs there as well. And sometimes a, a neighboring community can be reached without planting a whole new church there, but it takes some concentrated, and you know, don't just assume that you can gather or reach out to that community, but, but find a, a, an effective way to do that. So, so we do have a, a burden for uh, many more communities. And what, what's happening, brother, is there's a lot of mainline churches, especially the old forms of Baptist churches that are closing down. They're not being supported by the, the structure that used to support them because uh, they weren't independent Baptist. But, uh, and so, so they're leaving communities without any gospel witness in them at all. And sometimes with an empty building that could be, could be used for, by another church too. And there's uh, a few cases where there's uh, uh, churches that are, that are meeting, you know, fundamental churches meeting in old mainline church buildings because they've... Uh, closed down or, or moved out. So, so we'll see how the Lord continues to direct there. And there are some, some obvious target communities in our, in our state would be the west side of Madison and the east side of, of Milwaukee. Uh, just a, a great amount of need there. And there are, there are churches that are looking into how that can be, uh, how there can be a new, new churches planted there. So we'll see how the Lord provides in the future, but I'm excited about it and see See what the Lord will do. Let me read from First uh, John chapter one. I want to share something about fellowship itself. And First John chapter one is really the classic passage in Scripture. And as I became director of the fellowship, I said I need to to be able to speak on this this subject and and uh, share what the Scripture has to say about it. So in First John chapter one, I'll begin reading at verse three, and we'll see the emphasis on fellowship here. Says that which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanses us 
from all sin. Let's pray. Lord, again, we ask that you direct our, our hearts and, and help us to focus on your word and what your spirit would do to minister your truth in our lives. Pray that you'd help us to put it to, to use, not our use, but, uh, but yours, Lord, that you would, would convict and uh, give us courage and that you would just fulfill the need that you know to be in our heart through the scripture. Thankful for each one I gathered here today. We appreciate this wonderful, this precious gift of fellowship that you have uh, provided for us. It's in Jesus' name we ask. Amen. I've had some opportunities to preach on a mission field, sometimes visiting our, our missionaries that were supported by our churches. And, and uh, you know, as I try to, there's, there's a great gap, like the brother from Ghana. I mean, that's, that's a very different culture there. And what do we have in common? If I'm preaching in a, in a church over in a, a place like that, and I have in, in Kenya and, and places like that, and, and the scripture says we have fellowship one with another. And that's talking about every single brother and sister in Christ. We come together in this precious relationship with uh, the Lord himself. And fellowship in Christ, the creator, spans oceans and international boundaries as well as class and ethnic distinctions, and the joy of fellowship. It's something that we can all share everywhere. And it's, that's one of the things that's so sad at a time when churches were shut down. We were missing that contact. We were, we were missing the, the fellowship of, of being together uh, and, and the support and encouragement that, that we give there. But, you know, the Lord... Uh, has continued with the work of his church and encouraging things to go go forward. And I think we hopefully have been reminded not to take for granted the fellowship that, that we have one with another and uh, that we need to be determined, determined to be overcomers to barriers uh, that exist for fellowship in, in, in all different forms that we'll see here in this, in this passage. So we'll look at the purpose of our Christian fellowship and then the path, how do we make sure that we have uh, the, the right relationships that the Lord wants. So again, verse 4 says, These things write we unto you that your joy may be full. And that is the purpose of fellowship. God wants us to be filled with, with joy. And uh, it's, it's a blessing that he gives to us, that we can have others. We're not alone in our service for, for the Lord, but have uh, loving relationships that fill us with, with joy. Uh, one commentator said, Fellowship is Christ's answer to the loneliness of life. Joy is his answer to the emptiness or hollowness of life. The Lord wants his children to, to get along and encourage one another in their walk with him and their faithfulness uh, to him. So I'll talk very briefly about three kinds of fellowship that, that we have. First of all, fellowship with with believers, and there's a lot we could say about that, but let's go back to verse 3. At that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Now, I might need to explain that fellowship is more than a meal enjoyed by Baptists. Because when I say fellowship... And when you say fellowship, I'm thinking food. This is what I'm thinking. We better have food if we're, we say we're fellowshipping. It was a word, of course, for something shared, something held in common. And what believers had, as John wrote to them, and what we can have is, 
is uh, our faith in common, the truth of God's Word, and that we want to be faithful in understanding God's Word. And, and some people see things a, a little bit differently. We just want to be sure that we're being faithful to it and, and uh, really letting God speak from His Word and not putting our own ideas uh, onto it. But then we, we hold these truths, and, and the more people are faithful to God's Word, well, then the more we have in common, don't we? Because that the Word is, is consistent and, and faithful for, for us. And of course, then believers also have in common the benefits we share in that amazing grace that we sang about. We share in that, to, that hope of, of glory for eternity as well as, as the peace we have even over our past, whatever's been in that past, that it can be under the blood of Jesus. And, and we share those wonderful blessings of, of God. And that's a tremendous to have those things in, in common. It, the, the blessings of the Christian life, it would be wonderful if it was just you on an island by yourself. You could enjoy a wonderful relationship with the Lord, couldn't you? But what he's given us is one of those things that, wonderful as it is, can be even greater if we enjoy it with other people. We enjoy it together. I've watched some sports with people who didn't care anything about the sport that I was watching. Maybe I was trying to be polite with a guest and turn the game on and we watch it together and... and some of those folks, they didn't know when to shout. They didn't know when to be excited or when to be upset because the ref just blew a call and we should be at up in arms about that. We just weren't having fellowship over watching the game. And of course, that would have been a pretty shallow kind of fellowship anyway, wouldn't it? That, you know why they didn't get all excited? Because they didn't care, right? <laughs> And you know why they didn't know when to get excited is because they didn't know. And they didn't know because they didn't care about my game, whatever, whatever it was. And you know, that is what's required for fellowship, a knowledge and a passion. You need to care enough about Christ and Christians to get to know them. And at the same time, you need to know enough about Christ and your fellow believers, your church family, know enough to care about them. That is the basis for our Christian fellowship, knowledge and, and passion. Now, in addition to the faith that we have in common, the blessings we have in common, fellowship is about cooperation. That's really the, the main sense of the word as John uh, uses it. it. The idea, the best way that fellowship was a comfort in, in the way he used the term was that a Christian has a lot of responsibilities, but you don't carry them alone. You're carrying a burden with other people. That was the basic idea of, of fellowship, and we've put a lot more onto that. And as he said, it is for our, our joy that he's given to us. Uh, but we have a shared responsibility. So we take that knowledge and passion to Christ, and the more we know about his love and his design for the church, the more we can share his passion for the work of the church. It's great to have Shano Baptist, but wouldn't it be great to have Neopet Baptist Church or wherever the church in, ends up? You know, there's, there's more. It can grow and build. And, and this is something of, of what has formed and uh, kept our fellowship of Baptist Church. I just had to explain to somebody giving us a group discount or something like that. They just didn't get how these fellowships this work. I mean, they volunteer, they just do this. They're not constricted or anything like that. No, it's just, it's something that, that, uh, 
people do just because they want the fellowship. They want to have this uh, cooperation. And of course, we believe that it's something that, that, that God blesses us with as long as we uh, can make use of it. That's our fellowship with believers, but let's focus for a minute on our fellowship with God. Now, that's an end in itself because he created us for his fellowship. So fellowshipping with him is fulfilling the purpose for our creation and for our, for our salvation. But now, if we stop and really think about it, how do we fellowship with the creator of the universe? Fellowship between us, that sounds kind of even unlikely. First of all, we understand he is not a heavenly buddy. But he is our closest friend. And John's writing to help us understand this wonderful relationship, beginning as he did in, in verse 5 to say that God is light. Well, we realize he is set infinitely far apart, us, uh, apart from us and above us. And it's just his grace and mercy that he has this connection with us. His purity, uh, like light, it, it can't be mixed with darkness. And it reveals impurity around it. And our relationship with God is, is, is just going to build in us uh, as, we, as we see how we need to become more like him uh, every day. And he shines on those hindrances to our fellowship, the things that are, are breaking our relationship with God that, so we can make those things right. Sadly, uh, so much of our time and, and interest it, just day to day is invested in things where we really don't have fellowship because we don't have anything important in common. God, I mean, John here calls seeking the, the best kind of fellowship, walking in the light as opposed to walking in darkness. The light really has nothing in common with the darkness, does it? In fact, the Apostle Paul wrote, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what? Fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness. What communion hath light with darkness? So we submit to God's drawing into righteous relationships in Christian cooperation. Uh, cooperation that glorifies him doesn't just, oh, aren't we great because we can cooperate. But no, isn't God great because he's given us important things in common. Now, the third kind of fellowship, I mentioned there would be three, and uh, we have fellowship with believers and fellowship with God, but there's also fellowship with no one. And it's sad to even think that we could be not denied something that we were designed for, that God means for us to have. How, do, how does a person miss out on this fellowship? First of all, if they're not a child of God, you need to know Jesus Christ as your Savior to enter into this wonderful relationship. And people can know all about the Lord, just like you can know all about your neighbor, but that doesn't mean you and your neighbor have a great relationship. You need to know Jesus in a personal way, and I hope that you have, have uh, an understanding of that, and that you'll get that understanding even before you leave here today, to know the gospel and what it is to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what this church is here to do, to share that with you. Secondly, some people are truly believers, but they've been confused or misled or led astray so that they're out of relationship with God and, and perhaps going on in, in their sin and displeasing Him. Uh, they've separated them, themselves 
from God and from other believers, and uh, that's just a shame. Paul, I mean, John said that in this church there were people causing trouble, leading people astray, and a lot of times using temptations of, of sin to do that. And he called those people antichrists. Now, John knew very well there's going to be a literal antichrist and a fulfillment of prophecy coming probably soon. I don't know, but, but someday soon. Uh, but he said that in his church at that time, there were people who were fellowship breakers as they led people astray. They were destroying this beautiful thing that God had created. So those are pretty strong terms that uh, John used. Third way that we can miss out on fellowship is as a believer walking uh, in, in this life it, with unconfessed sin. If we have unconfessed sin, it destroys our fellowship and our joy because then we're under this burden of, of guilt and we lose joy as well as fellowship. John desired his readers to be filled with joy as a direct result of a good fellowship with God and fellow believers, uh, so he teaches them about how they can have a right relationship with God. We said that the purpose of fellowship is joy. Now the path to fellowship is justification, having things right. That's what it means to be justified, to be made right. God is just, and we are justified when we, when we are set to his standard, and we are doing what's right, and we are right with him. We have justification. Again, verse 7, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanses us from all sin. Now here he's not talking about how to become a Christian. He's not talking about obtaining relationship, but how we maintain in our daily walk a, a growth and a closeness and a and a right relationship with, with the Lord, walking in the light. Now on the broad ways of darkness, you can be in a crowd. There's a lot of people on that, on that uh, highway of darkness. But you're still alone without God. And while there may be very few men traveling God's narrow and rugged path of light, still when we walk it, we always have him. And we can have great fellowship. You know, closeness with Christ is our only hope for fellowship. We're naturally selfish and untrustworthy for one another, but Christ makes us into creatures that can work together and can be a blessing uh, to one another. And in Christ, we find a bond which with his power draws us closer to each other as we draw closer to him. And it's a cleansing power of the blood of Christ that makes all the difference. It opens salvation to us, and it opens the way for fellowship. Uh, you know, we think of one of the sad things. You know, if we share the gospel in this world, we realize souls need it. They need hope. And part of that hope is a way out from under the weight of their guilt, which is because we're sinners, and because we're sinners, we sin, and uh, guilt piles up, and, and so much of the self-destruction as well as the general destruction and, and grief in our world is because of this awful guilt. It's a terrible and constant companion. And it's really part of what makes the concept of forgiveness so powerful and, and something we need to 
to show from Scripture is, is offered to the to believer. Some people say it's too good to be true, and right in the midst of this, John reminds him, hey, I'm not making this up. This is a message from God. I'm telling you directly, he wants to be close to you. And he's provided the way that you can have that blessed re- relationship. I heard the story uh, told by uh, Ernest Hemingway. He, he wrote it, actually, and it's about a young man named Pablo. Pablo was living in Madrid, Spain. Now, this may have been 100 years ago. And he was estranged from his fathers. He'd grown up on the farm out in the country, uh, but he'd rebelled against his dad and uh, had left the farm and kind of disappeared into the, into the big city of, of Madrid. Now, his father, though, back on the farm, wanted to restore the relationship with his son, but he didn't know how to find him, know where, where he could be found there in, in the city. But he thought of an idea one day. He said, I'll put an ad in the newspaper. And that's what he did. Here's his ad. It said, Pablo, meet me in the city plaza Monday at noon. All is forgiven, your father. Well, according to Hemingway, the father could hardly find his son in the plaza that day because hundreds of Pablos gathered there looking to be forgiven and reunited with their father. Forgiveness is a powerful concept, isn't it? And God offers it to us. Let's go on to verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Confession brings forgiveness. And that's how, that's this path of justification, the path to fellowship. Confession is the ultimate end of foolishness and deception. Because to confess, what it means and what it requires is that we come to agreement with God. How much time and effort do people spend uh, arguing with God about whether they've really sinned or not? Oh, that's not so bad. Oh, I know it used to be bad, but now everybody's doing it. So now it can't possibly be so bad, right? So we're making excuses. We're debating how bad we are. We're trying to justify our wickedness rather than being justified with our God. Just as fellowship is a special privilege of believers, so is having our sins forgiven through confession. Now, to to become a, a believer, you recognized your sin and you confessed that and accepted forgiveness from Jesus Christ. It, I think that this idea of of, of agreement, uh, if you're going to have fellowship, you want to have, isn't worth it if we take the eternal and the the wise view. Then he speaks here in verse 9, a a favorite verse of ours, I believe, about his faithfulness and justice. The importance of that here is that God has promised to grant forgiveness. So many people have the idea, well, God won't forgive that, or he can't forgive what I did, but he has said he will. So he says, I'm faithful and just. I give my word, I keep it. God does it every time he's perfect in keeping his word. We can't take forgiveness from God, but we can receive it. And he will give it because he's said he will. And every time we confess, he chooses to be faithful and forgive us. Every time we go through that, and it's not easy, 
We, if it's easy, we're not doing it right. Uh, it's, it's anguish to confess. But we're reminded as we go through that how God has been offended and pained by our sin. And that points out the danger of the lie that we saw back in, in verse 8. If we, if we go through that argument and say, well, I really haven't sinned, as it says, we, we lie and we deceive ourselves, and we're the ones who lose in that argument because we miss out on God's mercy. Well, if I haven't really sinned, then I don't, well, I'm out of connection with the Lord if I don't see things his way. Can I ask you this morning, what does it take for you to admit that you're wrong? Say you're having an argument. When do you finally come around and say, I'm wrong? For some of you, that'd be a whole new concept, wouldn't it? For some people, it'd, wow. When you're driving, what does it take for you to admit that you're going the wrong way? I think I'm a typical guy in that. If I'm going the wrong way or I'm not sure, I just go faster. And instead, I, I don't want to turn back. I, no, this, this has to be it. One time early while we were doing this drive around to churches, I was on a road that I was sure. It was down in Kenosha. Well, I was trying to get to Kenosha at the time. And I'm on this highway, and I'm sure it's going to cross the highway that goes right into my town. And, and they've, they've got to cross. They just have to wait for the right highway and, 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 and turn east on it. And I'm driving and driving, and it's not coming up. And I'm a little, did I miss something? What's, what's going on? And then I saw a sign. It wasn't from God. It was from the highway department. And the sign said, Welcome to Illinois. <laughs> so I missed my turn, obviously. You know, we have to agree with God, do things his way and go his way. And I hope that we will, from God's word, and, and make this a personal study of yours, appreciate fellowship with God and value it. So you wouldn't ever want to offend him in sin. Or, or when you do, you'll make it right quickly and enjoy that fellowship with him. And same with a, a brother or sister in Christ to make things right with them. The purpose of fellowship is joy. And the path to fellowship is justification. So once you admit that your wisdom is foolishness, that God's path of light is the only way, that your sin is wretched and you need to be cleansed, you'll know it's time for confession. That seems like a low point, but really it's a good point to come to that realization because that's we're halfway there. Now we have to just do it and follow through and confess our, our sins to him. And, and oh, the freedom of spirit that comes from cleansing, the joy that fills the forgiven soul, these are well worth the pain and the effort. And that's the abundant life. That's the fellowship that God wants for us. Not only because he's right, and he always is, but because he loves us.